0: The last 10% as a hitter is is your job, to take all you've done, relax, be able to focus, and work process forward, not result backwards.
1: Hey there, I'm Ashley Burkhart, owner of Ashley V Training, former D1 athlete, and professional athlete in the game of softball. I even spent a little bit of time coaching at the college level as well. But now I coach athletes and especially youth athletes, and I try to teach them the ways to become the very best versions of themselves. And I know that they can't do that without a support system that will do anything and everything to make sure their dreams and their goals happen for them. A lot of times I hear parents and coaches saying, hey, I'm just gonna dish my athlete off to you. Hopefully you can figure out what her issue is. Here's the deal. That's not how we should coach. That's not how we should parent. And I can tell you right now, I'm not a parent, but your athlete is the most influenced by you. And I truly believe that you are one of the reasons why she plays the game. And I truly believe you are one of the reasons why she plays so hard. So if we can learn from some of the greats, I'm gonna have some of the best softball players, some of the best softball players, parents, even my parents and my family, Are gonna be on this podcast sharing our journeys with you so that when the cleats do come off, you know what to say, so that she can learn from her mistakes sooner, so that she can become the best version of her. And that's what we want. We want our athletes to be able to thrive, and that's why we're here. So, welcome to this podcast. This is gonna get real, this is gonna get deep. And I'm here to challenge your thinking. That's why I coach. I'm really excited for you to be here and I can't wait to hear who else is gonna be along this journey with us. Learning from some of the best. I'm gonna be learning too. So whip out your notebook and let's head to the next episode. Before we dive into this jam-packed episode of When the Cleats Come Off. I want to share with you what you're going to be hearing. So Chris and I, we chat about five different hitting myths. So myths that people believe with hitting that just aren't true and our perspective on why they're not. Myths like how power only equates to home runs. We're going to debunk that. We're also going to debunk the fact that You shouldn't be training once a week and expect yourself to perform and compete at a high level. We talk about the swing and how we actually shouldn't be cueing athletes to swing up through the ball. And Chris will go into full detail as to why that is and how we naturally can do it if we have the right movement patterns. So this is actually a part one of a two-part episode with Chris. We'll be talking about the first Three myths that we are debunking. And then next week, you can look forward to listening to the rest of the things that we will be debunking. And also what Chris looks forward to with the Olympics coming up with softball and how he's excited to be watching. But this is what you can find this week. Now, if you did not know, Chris has already been on the podcast. We talk about overcoming adversity. Chris has overcome cancer, thyroid cancer, and it's helped him become a better human. And the amount of adversity he's faced with that is what we talk about in part one. And we relate it to the adversity that athletes are seeing in this game as well. So if you want to listen to that episode first, it is called Overcoming Adversity with former pro baseball player, Chris Vasami and it will be also in the show notes for you to find as well with that let's head to part one of the two-part episode with my great friend and mentor chris vasami hey hey welcome back to when the cleats come off i'm your host ashley burkhart and my good friend chris vasami is back on the pod he's been on once had to have him on again because last week we had a conversation on the phone and there's some stuff with hitting that we were like, we need to get this recorded ASAP. <laughs> but I'm so glad to have you here.
0: No, I'm glad to be back. Thank you for having me. It's always fun.
1: Yes, yes, yes. We, we talk every week about hitting, but now it's time to actually have a mic on listening to this convo. Uh, it is at our regular meeting time that we don't really talk anyway too. So grateful to have you back on the show. We had you on talking about your story of overcoming adversity. Um, which is super powerful. It was a huge hit on when the cleats come off, but today we're gonna talk all about hitting. Let's do it. Let's do it. So give a refresher to the audience, what we were talking about last week that we wanna share today.
0: A lot of times when Ashley and I talk, we we talk about (laughs) our experiences that we are seeing on our own on a weekly basis things that we are going through personally, things that we are going through with our athletes. And it is June 29th. So last week when we talked, it was June 22nd. So here in North Carolina right now, kids have been out of school for about a month. They are entrenched in their summer seasons, travel, whatever age it is. And what gets me a lot of times is, especially with the high school kids, they have these goals of, I want to play in college, or I want to be noticed, or I want to be able to be seen. And so it's summertime. It is baseball season. And kids who feel, who have not earned anything yet, they have not earned a phone call. They have not earned a email. They have not earned a, hey, I think you can ball out conversation, feel like they have earned in some way or another A vacation and so in the middle of baseball season softball season i have players who are decided that they need a week off to go to the beach for whatever reason and it's not about the week off it's not about anything other than they feel like they they have earned it having earned nothing yet so far and what gets me is that i always tell my players you cannot think that you are going to do any less work than anybody who has gotten to where you want to go and still get there. It just doesn't work that way. The blueprint has been laid out for us. It's been laid out that way forever. The only reason why the blueprint might be a little bit different is just because we have social media now. So instead of having to email coaches or have my high school coach or my travel coach make these conversations... I can go on Twitter, I can go on Instagram, and I can go on Facebook and tag everybody I need to tag to show them, hey, I went one for three, or I went two for four, or whatever it is. But still, at the end of the day, I have to put the work in to be able to do that. And even if Mm -hmm. I tag Twitter, Instagram, whatever it is, that means nothing. Until you have those conversations, those phone calls, those emails, those in-person, those conversations, where you can feel like, okay, I'm on the right track. I'm doing what I'm supposed to. It's still just a dream at that point. And so to think that, okay, everything I've done so far is good and I can have a vacation, They just these players just end up kind of fooling themselves. And then what ends up happening is when they don't achieve their goals, a lot of times they want to blame everything else other than looking inside and understanding, wait, did I really do everything I possibly could have? And so that sparked conversation with us. Uh, we talked about some ex- experiences we've had and some very concrete examples. And that just kind of get us going into the idea of, well, there, there must be some other myths out there that that kids think and players think that if they do it, then it just leads to automatic success.
1: Yeah. And I want to let the audience know, too, we're not talking about eight-year-olds. We're not talking about 10-year-olds. Like, it's great if they want to go play in college at 10, but here's the deal. That age is meant to have fun and enjoy the game and play a bunch of other sports and learn how to be a good athlete. We're talking about the kids who are in high school that they don't understand what it does take to to get to the highest level, because they want to be there. Like, we have been there. Um, I guess we should probably do a little bit of a spiel. Like, I want you to introduce yourself to those people who maybe didn't listen to the first episode, because we're both former college and pro athletes, but I want the audience to get to know you a little bit more before we dive into these myths that we're talking about.
0: Yeah, so full name is Chris Vasami. I was born and raised in Mamertic, New York, uh, just outside New York City. I was a two-time All-American in high school. I went to Notre Dame out of high school. I then transferred to Elon, got drafted out of Elon. Um, I was an all-conference player at Elon, and then got drafted, played four years with the Rockies and a couple years of independent ball. And I pitched, I played infield. I, the Rockies made me a catcher. And all the while I was in pro ball, and even before that, when I was in college, I just start, I started Vasami training, started training players, really got into understanding how we learn, how we train how we incorporate everything that makes us who we are as a human being into our training. And ever since then, I've, I've loved training. I've loved helping players. I've been fortunate enough to help male and female baseball and softball players head to college, um, which has been a blast. And so my, my purpose now, my goal is that anybody who comes to me with a goal, I try to take all the experience that I have had as a player and a teacher and help them achieve their goal and meet them wherever they need to be met.
1: And this is why we're best buddies because we both have that same goal of wanting athletes to be able to pursue whatever it is that they want, which is why this issue was so big to us. And we talked about it for almost an hour. You know, The fact that athletes in high school that have these huge dreams and goals and don't realize that summertime is time to play. Summertime is time to compete and be seen and go to these showcases. And again, we're not talking about 10 year olds, we're talking about these high schoolers that wanna pursue their dream. This is where the grind is. This is not time to vacation. I remember our vacations in the summer was driving to Colorado for the biggest showcase of the year. Um, that was our vacation. And yeah, we had a couple of days where we got to hike and hang out with the team and do some really cool things, but we, we still know we had a job to do. We, our job was to win and our job was to compete. So those people that, you know, wanna take their family vacation in the summer, maybe rethink it because now is not the time to do that. And I understand like family schedules, work schedules, they can, they can change and now might be literally the only time of the whole year. And for that, I'm not gonna tell anybody how to raise their kids or anything, but if your daughter or son has a goal to be able to compete in college, you can't miss out on the most important part of the year. And that's the summer.
0: No, I mean, what's interesting is that there aren't even leagues anymore, per se. Everything is a, is a, is a three- or four-day tournament. So you already have these days off already. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday mm-hmm. is usually a day off. Thursday is travel, make it to the tournament. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, play. When I was in high school, we actually played a full summer season. So it was a single game, Monday through Friday, doubleheader Saturday, doubleheader Sunday, June 1st to August 1st. There were mm-hmm. no days off. The the day off was because it rained. That was it. Then after your season, you were trying to navigate a trip to go to a showcase or a trip to go to a, you know, I went to the East Coast Professional Showcase. Then I tried out at the area codes. Then I went out to the area code games. But I almost, in a weird way, had to ask permission to go to these giant showcases because we technically had a season. And same as you, our one... Week of vacation a year was the third week of, of August because there was everything was done,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and even then, because I knew I would have to come back and either head to a showcase or a tournament on Labor Day or whatever it was. I mean, it, it's not like I wasn't doing anything. I had to bring my glove. My dad and I would play catch. We'd we'd find a cage. We'd you know even if it was the old school pitching machine batting cages, whatever it was. I just feel like in When it comes to hitting specifically, we spend so much time creating these feelings and these sensations and trying to find this swing that I can repeat over and over again. I don't know how I can just completely take a week off and not even, because here's the thing, if they were thinking about it or doing shadow swings, I'd say, okay, but we know that's not happening. So it really (laughs) is this complete week off in the middle of the season. And then we wonder mm-hmm. why when we come back, we're not sharp. And we didn't do well at the next showcase. And then it starts to spiral. And who, who loves the mental game more than you? And so hmm. that mental game starts to spiral because, oh, no, I'm not confident. Where it's like you're not confident because you took a week off because you took a vacation that you didn't earn in the middle of the season. So that's how we, um, that's how we got to where we are right now.
1: Totally. And I don't, I totally want to add to every year, my family went on spring break. So this is like right before high school season would start. And my dad would always put my glove in the bat in the car. And yes, there was like one or two days where we'd literally just spend on the beach. He'd throw a ball and I'd dive for it like on the beach. And like, we had fun with it. Like we kept playing. It wasn't as structured as what it was at home, but like we still brought our stuff. And you know, if there was a day where we got to have a couple hours on a field, like we used it. And, you know, sometimes that was my dad saying, we're bringing your stuff and not me, but like my dad knew that my goal was to play in college. And so we can't fully take this time off. And, you know, some people that are on the edge of burnout though, I think they, I don't want to say have an excuse, but you know, some athletes, they literally are, are close to burnout and the best thing for them is a break. Um, But that's not most athletes. I think that we're talking about here.
0: No. But the thing is, though, can you really get burnt out practicing two, three times a week? I don't know. So
1: Sometimes the game gets to people in ways to where they don't want to even think about it. Totally.
0: And I think that, as you said, those are more scarce situations than the norm. I mean, if you mm-hmm. love doing something and, and the goal is is bigger than you can really even imagine it is, then... If you think you've done enough do more
1: all right so this leads us to the fact that we want to talk about some myths so we've come up with a list you and i of five myths five hitting myths that i think the majority of people in our sport and i yes i say baseball and softball is a our Mm -hmm. sport they are living and dying off of these myths and we need to debunk them right now yeah all right let's start with this one because we're already talking about it, almost. I can train one time a week and see good results. Debunk this one, Chris.
0: If you define training as training with my my hitting coach, and if you're relying on the 30 minutes or 45 minutes or 60 minutes a week with that training coach, and the other 167 hours of the week We're not really focused on what we did with our hitting coach, how I want to take what I do with my hitting coach and spread it out throughout the week and then build on what we've done with my hitting coach. You will see progress the day after and then you will slowly go back down to where you were the day before you met your training coach, rinse and repeat, Mm -hmm. cycle all over
1: again. Yep.
0: Your, train, your The training with your coach, it's no different than me training at the gym, working with a nutritionist, whatever it is. That is to build the pot of knowledge. And when you have that pot of knowledge, if things are brewing and things are stewing, then we should always be able to understand and go back to it. But to keep a pot brewing, you have to have a flame. And so that flame has to constantly be burning. And so I can't sit there as a player and on Monday have a huge flame and on Thursday or Friday it's starting to damper and then on Sunday it's gone and then, okay, I meet my training coach again and now all of a sudden it's sparked. Like at some point it's not going to happen because if your training, if your coach or your hitting coach is as good as they should be, they're going to tell you right away, guys, like, I care more than you at this moment, and I can't do that. Mm -hmm. And so if we really think that that one time a week is enough, that's a huge problem that needs to be addressed.
1: Absolutely. And I'm going to shout out Scott Burkhardt here because he taught me this amazing thing when I was younger and didn't understand the purpose of it until today. And maybe I was 25 when I learned this, but... I had one of the best hitting coaches in Indiana, like straight up. We drove two hours to go see her every single week. So I could, so we could learn from her and gain knowledge that we didn't already, we didn't have. And that's why it was worth the two hours. So we'd go there every single week. And my dad was like, we need to make the most of this money because like travel ball, the expenses that you're already putting in, like what a waste if we would have just gone there and only, and the only time I hit would have been just that time with her that would have been such a waste. My body would feel great. Like you said, the day of the day after. And then after that, I'd forget the movement patterns we've been creating, but my dad, we would come home and literally every night ish. I mean, give or take a few nights Mm -hmm. a week, but we would be working to perfect the new drill. We learned that I did not perfect at the, at the lesson. Let's say I learned a brand new drill, the hop back drill. You and I love Mm -hmm. this one. If I only do it when I'm with my coach, what a waste. Because if I was taught, and by the way, that's showing that like I don't respect my coach enough to want to come back and show her, or him, what I did to prepare and show her. I couldn't wait for the next week to show her that I worked on this hot back drill. I couldn't wait to show her that I have been working on this thing and I am proud of the work that I'm doing. And here, check it out, Like I got really good at this and I feel stronger and I feel more powerful that only comes from training at home. That doesn't come from just going one week to her and then the next week, we're probably gonna have to do the same thing over again because my body doesn't remember how to do it. And you're gonna find the most minimal growth if you don't work on the things that you're learning, especially with your hitting coach. I just wanna let you know, and you've probably heard this before, but I'm a partner with Always Grind 365 and they are hitting journals. Also defensive journals, coaches journals, pitching, catching, all the aspects of the game this is what they promote. And I am a proud partner of Always Grind 365, especially their hitting journals. So with that, I want to let you know that you can get 10% off of these hitting journals with my code, AshleyB at checkout. If you head to the show notes and head to alwaysgrind365.com, you can find your favorite stuff, put in my promo code and get your discount. It is, you can actually do these notes anywhere, but these notebooks are structured so that you can go through hitting sessions, go through the good, go through the not so good and plan your attack for next time you hit. So these are one of the things that I wish I would have had as a player. And if you're interested, head to alwaysgrind365.com or head to the link in the show notes, type in my promo code AshleyB at checkout to get 10% off of your order. All right, guys, let's head back to this episode with my good friend, Chris Fasabi.
0: For anybody who's listening, I, I want you guys to understand when we when we talk about our own experiences, this is not a, hey, you should be like us talk. This is a, we've learned the hard way. We had to go through it. Sometimes you understand the lesson the next day. Sometimes it takes months or years to understand the lesson that you went through and that's our job is to share those experiences so that hopefully you don't have to go through the same thing or if you do you can be enlightened sooner than we were Mm -hmm. and i was a sophomore in high school when this happened i was all section i was second team all state i batted 420 my sophomore year and after the season i specifically remember my dad coming up to me and going You didn't have a very good year. And I'm going, what are you talking about? I hit 420. And he says, no, it wasn't the the results. You didn't work the same way this year that you did during the offseason, which is true. When I think back on it at the time, yeah, you know what? I I wasn't hitting every night. I was just kind of relying on my natural ability. And it all came back to bite me when I started my summer season that year. And I started out one for
1: 33.
0: Mm. And That's when I got with my hitting coach four straight days and made a vow basically to myself that I would never go another day without hitting. And I really don't think I ever did until the day I retired Um, because I was so afraid to lose the feelings and the swing that I had created.
1: Do you think you needed that moment of one for 33 to truly have the motivation to hit every day? A thousand
0: percent. I talk with my athletes all the time. We will all get to a point, whether we're 8, 12, 16, where what we naturally do stops working as a hitter. Because at some point, that pitcher gets to a point where he or she knows exactly what she's doing, exactly what he or she is trying to accomplish, and they will beat us. And so what we naturally used to do, how we naturally used to just get the bat to the ball doesn't work anymore. And the problem with that is that we never knew what we were doing in the first place. <laughs> so that's why we seek out help. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I feel like there are times where an eight, nine or 10 year old figuring that out at eight, nine, 10, is way better than trying to figure it out at 16. Um, but I was 16 and it was, it was that, that moment of clarity for me. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, which is why I always emphasize a bad weekend is great data.
0: Yeah.
1: A strikeout is great data. And I'm going to get on some people right here and probably piss some people off and I'm fine with it. I can't tell you how many people are so proud of their kid for only striking out once that weekend or only striking out once in the past month. Because in my mind, I don't think she's being challenged enough. I would rather her strike out more and learn about herself more so that she can one be humble and then want to put in the work throughout the week. Yeah. That's all. Right. I literally worked with an athlete this morning and it was the toughest day for her. This is the toughest day we've ever had together. And our dad texted me afterwards and goes, "Thanks for thanks for pushing her. It's been a little bit of an easy ride lately mm-hmm. for her." And she needed that. So strikeouts are not the end all be all. Like As long as you look at it as something that, hey, I just learned a lot about myself. Like, hey, the high and inside pitch right now, I need to figure out how to get there. What better motivation than struggling, in my opinion? We need to look at it that way. So don't brag about not striking out. Like, you need to strike out. It's life. The best do it. The best do it often. They just make adjustments sooner.
0: Yeah, the goal is to do it. The goal is to learn from it. And everything is inventory, no matter what. And so... Mm -hmm. We have good inventory we have bad inventory and so the idea is that when you take that inventory if it was if you had good results you still take the inventory repeat the process keep going but if if something was wrong again to your point a change has to be made and you a lot of times change is uncomfortable first thing we have to realize is you know our our training coaches our hitting coaches are a lot of times going to be the mirror that we don't want to look into yeah. because they expose our flaws and so the whole idea is that if you're hitting coaches as good as as they are and which is why you are with them they can point out those flaws but they're also there to help you be, get better at it
1: mm-hmm. we
0: all have had coaches who tell us everything we do wrong and have no idea how to help us fix it yeah that's straight up criticism
1: at that point yeah totally all right i think we nailed we nailed the first myth you need to train more than once a week to find the progress that you deserve mm-hmm. <laughs> and that you want. All right, myth number two, power only equates to home runs. This was yours, and I loved it. So you got to start us off with it.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, Major League Baseball, Women's College World Series, home runs are prevalent. They're, they get all the, all the coverage. It doesn't mean that we all have that inside of us at the moment. And Mm -hmm. so I think what happens is whether it's my little leaguers or middle school or high school, whatever it is, they equate power as only a home run. And if I can't hit the ball over the fence, well, I don't have power and it's not good enough and I'm not going to get noticed. No, that's not true at all. Everybody has a power potential. It's your job to find out what your power potential is. And it's all relative at that point. It's no different than speed. I was not fast. I could get faster. That was my job, to get faster. So if I ran a 7 I had to run a seven o sixty. Was I ever going to run a 6-6? No, not possible. So are there players out there who might hit a home run by chance if everything goes perfect? Yes. But your power potential is relative to who you are in that moment. So can you hit four doubles in a game? Yes, do it.
1: That's way cooler than one home run and three strikeouts. Absolutely,
0: And so... The, but
1: not to anybody else.
0: No, of course not. And I think that's where we have to separate what gets coverage from what's going to play. Mm-hmm. Yes. Don't get me wrong. It was amazing to watch Oklahoma hit the ball that way. But that's why it's Oklahoma.
1: And, and they also had defense to back it up. Yeah.
0: And, you know, but again, if okay, so if I'm waiting for the one home run or if I have four or five players in a row who can bang doubles, it's all the same at that point. Mm -hmm. And so it's about understanding that power is relative. Power is based off of what you have the potential to do. So take your best swing, find out what your power potential is, and then work to do that as often as possible. You will get seen. It will show. I cannot deny somebody going three for four with three doubles.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and you know what's cool too? It's like, if you focus on what you're good at, like I would say I'm a doubles hitter. I love hitting doubles. I love screaming it into gaps. And in pursuit of that was when my home runs came. Yeah. I never once held the bat in my hand. Actually, I lied. There was one time I wanted to hit a home run, I did. There's a backstory to it, but I'll explain it in a second. But in pursuit of hitting it as hard as I possibly could into the gaps, that's how it went over the fence Yeah, because I set myself up to hit that line drive, which led to it. Um, I mean, if we're being honest, if we're being honest, a
0: home run is just a double that goes over a fence.
1: Totally. Those are my best home. My favorite home runs were the, like the shooter line drives that like, you don't even know if it was going to go over, but it like found its way over. And you're like, how did that just happen? Those are, those are fun. Now the one time, and I got to say it, the one time I did focus on hitting a home run, we were at, I think it was like coastal Carolina and their entire football team was sitting in the stands and, um, they were like hackling the whole time. Keckling. I don't even know what word to use. And I remember going up to bat and I'm like, I'll show them, you know, and, I'm just, <laughs> and I just like, and I focus on just hitting it hard, you know, and it went over. And then my next at bat, literally they're like, you won't do it again. And literally in my mind, I'm like, I love when people doubt me. It's my favorite thing. So I literally just like chuckled and I'm like, okay, screamed it over right center. Like they, they literally were like, what? Um, that was the only time I really just wanted to hit the crap out of it over the fence. And it worked out in my favor, but I can't, I can't always have that mentality or I'm going to come up short more often than not. Like you have, I feel like there's like one right moment and that was probably the one. But I think having a home run mentality up to bat is you're just you're just waiting to hit a pop up, in my opinion, yeah. majority of the time.
0: I mean, I, I, I think it's there's, there's definitely going to be a shift and there. I think it's already started that consistent hard contact plays and it will play. Yeah. And so as as a hitter, that's my goal. If I get 10 swings, eight better be what they should be.
1: I like that. Now, I don't think that the the myth of power only equates to home runs. I don't think it really comes from the kids. I think sometimes it comes from coaches or parents only praising the home run sure. or praising that more than the double or whatever. I think they, to keep it the way it should, everything should be praised the same way. Now, if it's your first home run and like, that's a pretty exciting moment. Yeah but we should be treating the sack bunt we should be treating the single rbi the double like we should be treating all of those things like they're amazing cuz they are like we should keep it the same don't you don't you agree
0: yeah i mean at the end of the day we are training to perform being able to take your training to practice practice to the game should be first and foremost, the thing that we praise the most. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm sure you deal with it just as much as I do. The ability to have kids relax when they're in the batter's box, knowing that there already is enough pressure to perform without changing anything in their mind. I just dealt with a kid who was here just before. In practice with me, training with me, we go to the field. He practices with his team. He hits the ball hard. And then he goes into the game and tries to do extra, tries to do more. Front foot flies open, front shoulder flies out, head comes off the ball, misses the pitch he's supposed to put in play, ultimately leads to strikeouts. The last 10% as a hitter is is your job to take all Mm -hmm. you've done, relax, be able to focus, and work process forward, not result backwards.
1: Mm. Process forward, not result backwards. I love that. I've never heard you say that. And we've talked for a year.
0: (laughs) I just came up with it like three
1: days ago. I love (laughs) it. That's so good. And this is why I'm totally going to throw this in here. Journaling is so key. And just understanding what things feel like is key. Because when you see an athlete trust their stuff and look confident and look like they're going to crush the ball, all they're doing is doing what they did in practice and In that practice, in that training session, knowing what went on to create the great hits in that practice, that's how it equates as well. So you can get those feelings and those thoughts. And like when I say feelings, it's not like happy, sad. It's no, it's how did my hips turn? Mm -hmm. Did my hands come first? Did they come second? Did I stand up? Like, where was I? What was I doing on my best swing? And being able to take that moment and put it into your bat and games, that requires some little like self-reflection which can be done in a hitting journal or a notebook
0: and that's how we separate ourselves by being different doing different things sitting down for 10 minutes every night and journaling i'll say it's not normal Mm -mm. it's rare and so if you want to go to different places you have to be different
1: all right third myth You mentioned something as well with this one. You need to swing up through the ball to create a good launch angle. Mm -hmm. This was another myth that we have come up
0: with. Yeah. I'm a firm believer that if everything works the way that it's supposed to, if you're sequencing your swing from the ground up, if you're getting your back knee down, if you're creating tilt with your body because your shoulders have rotated, have the way that they're supposed to, if your hands are above the barrel, you will naturally swing up through the ball. That's the natural swing path. Mm -hmm. If I'm in bad body positions and then I just try to swing up through the ball, I'm creating an in and out of the zone swing. Instead of my bat being as flat as it can possibly be, it's now going to be vertical. So now everything Mm -hmm. has to be perfect. In In a game where I'm already going to fail if everything goes right. I can't be in bad position. I can't be in bad mindsets. I can't have bad visualization and think that I'm going to be able to be successful. Yeah. And so the idea of swing up, a lot of kids don't have that mind-body connection yet to understand that, yeah, you know what? Technically, you probably could think about it, but it has to be a split second before the ball. Mm -hmm. It has to be make sure that if I am going to do that, then my extension has to be perfectly into that opposite field gap. Again, too many things have to go right to be able to be in bad positions and still have a good result. So I always want to focus more on good body positions, sequencing, working from the ground up, making consistent contact, because I do believe there's two parts of the swing. How do I get to the ball and then have to, how do I explode through the ball? So how do I get there? How do I extend? And so if if that's happening the right way at the right time, the trajectory of the ball will be what it's supposed to be.
1: You explain this so beautifully. I just want to tell you that. Thank you. It's so good because as soon as you tell an athlete from a coach's perspective, hey, swing up through it. They're going to stand up, Mm -hmm. they're going to throw their hands up, and they're going to wonder why half of their balls are either going straight into the ground, because they're just topping it, or it's going straight into the sky, Mm -hmm. because that's where their power is going. But in reality, that power needs to be linear. Mm -hmm. But as, like you said, that movement pattern happens, and those on YouTube that get to watch this video can see us moving right now, you're naturally going to get through it. That's what the extension is. And of course, there's some balls where like you getting on top of it requires you to kind of come down through it and create that spin to make it a line drive. Right. But it does. It has everything to do with working from the ground up. Yep. 100. Now, for those that don't understand what working from the ground up is, can and you described it a, a little bit earlier. But take us through the ground up and how we can create that as hitters, because you because you explain it so beautifully.
0: So when you talk about sequence, it's really the order of events. And so the order of events for me is front foot strides, back foot turns. And I like to really be specific. I really like to think about taking my heel to the catcher to create Mm -hmm. that turn. Back knee goes down towards the plate, back hip starts to come through front side starts to get locked out. And so now I've worked from the ground up, so all my lower half has done what it's supposed to. It's created that turn. It's created that space now, for my back elbow to come into my rib cage. My hands start to get out in front, and the way I like to think about it is my my barrel and my knob, my my hands and my knob are all in ahead of my barrel. I want to keep mm-hmm. that as long as I possibly can. That creates the strongest contact point. So now, if you can picture it. My back knee is down, my front leg is locked out. And because of that solid base that I'm in, I naturally already have a tilt with my upper body. And I'm tilting Mm -hmm. with my upper body all while creating space. And what I've seemed to find is one of the biggest flaws once we do get to contact is not extending through the opposite field as well as we can. What happens to a lot of players is they keep that back elbow tucked into their rib cage and they let their torso continue to rotate. And that's why we see a lot of players come off the ball, pull off the ball. So I like to think when I'm at contact, every other body part has stopped. It's frozen. It's stable. And now my back elbow is driving out through the big part of the field. And so at that moment, I want to think that my bat and the ball are connected the whole time. Mm. And so in that moment, that's when I create my angle to where I want the ball to go. I've seen you do it plenty of times with that dog ball launcher thing. The chuck it. The chuck it. (laughs) Um, If I take my hands and my elbows and the bat and I send it out in whatever direction I want it to go, That's where the ball is going to go.
1: That's so I never thought of it that way, that the barrel and the ball are connected. I've always been told to have the barrel in the zone for as long as possible. So like as you're in this position um, where your hands are almost like connected to your back shoulder, the barrel's in the zone already. And it's got to stay in that flat zone to and through it. Mm -hmm. But I've never thought about them as connected. And I really like that. That makes me think of that, um, I think there's a device where there's like a string that you set up from like behind you and then in front of you and there's like a wiffle ball on it yeah, so it it's basically out. like the plane of the ball yeah. yeah so you're supposed to you know drive it up the middle mm-hmm. and if you hit the wire or you come up under it like it tells you you weren't in the zone early enough right. that's that's a really really nice way to say that I like that a lot you know honestly this, this tells you how far removed I am from the game. No, I'm not going to the AU tryouts to all those people think, thinking I'm coming back to play, no. Basically doing the Chuck It drill with my athletes has proven to me that I have a long way to go if I ever came back into this game. And Chuck It is not sponsoring us for this podcast interview, but I'm telling you the, t- the Chuck It, the dog toy, can truly help you with that barrel and knowing where to snap it.
0: Direction is one of the biggest things. um, And I don't think a lot of people talk about it because I don't think they know how to explain it. Direction is just, it's huge. I mean, Mm -hmm. when 75 to 80% of the pitches that we are going to swing at are middle away, I have to know that my barrel direction is going where it needs to go. Otherwise, if the only pitch I can hit is, is inside corner... Well, chances are of me even keeping that ball fair are not very high.
1: that's all you get with part one. I know you're eager and anxious to get into part two, but you'll have to be a little patient and wait for next week's episode to come out. We are going to continue the conversation on debunking some hitting myths. And I know we've ruffled some feathers this week. We're going to keep doing it next week. He and I tend to have really deep and real conversations about hitting, which is why we decided to record this podcast together. You can find how to find Chris on Instagram and his website in the show notes. So head to the show notes. And again, if you haven't listened to Chris's episode prior, you can also find that in the show notes as well. Thanks for hanging out with us on the podcast today. And don't forget to be humble, stay awkward, and just have fun. This game needs fun. And I know you're in for that too. All right. See y'all next week.